Hi, I'm Jörgi, the Aliographic Convener. Now, to, before we get started with today's creator chat, I thought I'd give you a little update. Um, first of all, this is going to be the last creator chat for this year. We are very, very thankful and grateful to all the uh, creators that uh, have joined us this year and everyone who's joined us for, for a chat, really, because some of them were not creators, were librarians as well. Um, so we're very grateful to everyone for you know giving us their time and for joining the conversation about comics and libraries and comics in libraries. Um, this, is, uh, this is going to be the last one for this year, as I said, uh, but next year there will be many, many more to come. And uh, we we are already thinking about some great creators, that Australian creators that we want to interview next year. So watch this space. But of course, this is not the last podcast that you'll receive this year. We have a webinar coming up. Um, the webinar is Nurturing and Inspiring Reading and Creativity Using Graphic Novels and Manga. Uh, this webinar is the November the 30th, um, so it's coming up pretty soon at uh, 12 p.m. Um, Australian Eastern uh, time. If you haven't registered already, please register. All the information is on our blog, aliagraphic.blogspot.com. And uh, you may need to scroll down a post or two, but all the information is there for the registration um, and we're really looking forward to uh, the webinar. It's going to be really, really exciting. We've got Gabby, uh, who is a librarian specializing in children's and youth literature and comics. And she's going to be joined with Elizabeth Marufo and Campbell White. Uh, they're both comic book creators and artists. They're also directors of the Milk Tooth Arts Space in Perth where they nurture and inspire kids to make art, including comics. Finally, we'll also have Gillian Drudus. She's a librarian and creator of the wildly successful and incredible Manga in Libraries webinar series. Uh, the Manga in Libraries book is also coming out early 2023, and we're really, really excited to be talking to her. So, enough from me. We have the chat now with uh, Bradley who had a great conversation with Sarah Searle. Kaya Nungabuja. I'm Brad Middleton from All Saints College in Western Australia. I'd like to acknowledge the deep and ongoing connections that the Noongar people have to the land on which our college is built. We give our respects to the traditional owners of this land and promise to do our best to take care of it, both today and in the future. And today I'm really excited to be talking to an award-winning cartoonist, author and illustrator, Sarah Winifred Searle. They originally hail from spooky New England, but currently live in sunny Borloo, or Perth, Western Australia. Their graphic novels include Sincerely Harriet, Patience and Esther, an Edwardian romance, Who Was the Girl Warrior of France, Joan of Arc, and The Greatest Thing. Up next are picture books, Chubby Bunny, graphic novel Ruined, and YA graphic novel, The Sweetness Between Us. 
Honours include being shortlisted for the Outstanding Story Ignatz Award and the State Cartoonist Studio Prize, as well as winning three Silver Comic Arts Awards of Australia. So welcome to Alia Graphic, and how are you going, Sarah? Going all right? How are you? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm good. Um, uh, it's great to uh, have you here, and uh, it's been a long time me going back and forth with you trying to find some time. So um, I'm glad we finally sing down together. Um, you've got a new book out now that uh, came out early this year, The Greatest Thing, mm-hmm. and we're going to talk about that a little bit later. Um, but let's go to the very beginning. Did you read comics as a kid? And if so, which comics? Yeah. Uh... I read a bunch of comics, uh, so I think I kind of discovered them around the same age, which was like, it was elementary school, so like maybe I was eight or nine or something when I started to get really interested in them, and there was like a mix of comics available to me, so they were like, in the grocery store you had like Archie Comics, and uh, there was also back then the Disney magazine, mm-hmm. which was like, it was printed small, like Archie Comics, and the middle of it, like, they had like articles and stuff about their different properties and stuff in there, but then the middle chunk was all comics, yeah. and I was obsessed with it. <laughs> and also my stepdad at the time had been a comics collector when he was young and he had a bunch of boxes in the garage full of them and when I discovered them it like blew my mind and I read a whole bunch of things that I was way too young for but I was so into it like a bunch of Batman stuff and he had Conan the Barbarian which I think was my favorite out of what he had because like just the black and the black line art and like we're talking like 1970s and 1980s like classic like yeah it was just really good stuff but it was all like kind of the genres were I think I like the format more than the stories that I was finding in them if that makes sense like I love the art and I love that it was stories told through art but it wasn't until a little later that I figured out like that I found comics that felt like they were made for me Yeah. yeah awesome um What's your origin story then in terms of comics? What what was it that made you say, oh, I want to make these two? Um, so when I was, oh, it must have been around year six, um, Sailor Moon came to America and changed everything. <laughs> and that was when, like, they started to, I mean, they've been doing bits for a while, but it was just barely starting to pick up around when I was in, like, junior high school where, like, Publishers were starting to bring a little bit more manga over. Um, So, like, I had started watching the Sailor Moon anime, and then I discovered that there was a music store near where I grew up that sold, like, floppy issues of Sailor Moon. Like, they had taken this comic series that, like, it isn't printed like that. It was never printed like that in Japan, but they were like, well... People who are in America and read comics, they want, like, the floppy issues. Like, they go grab their Spider-Man, and then they grab their Sailor Moon. I don't know what they were thinking. (laughs) But I had a few scattered issues of that that I found at the music store. And uh, also some other, like, random things that I found that were from series, like, issue, like, 32 of, like, 800 or something, where I had no idea what was going on. But uh, it was, like... When I discovered manga, that really changed everything because they told such different stories than anything I had seen yeah. in American comics. And, like, Sailor Moon really is, like, 
it's a power fantasy for young girls and mm. it was just wonderful and I loved it. So that's, that's great. I mean, Salomon obviously then being an influence, um, were there any particular creators, someone that you look for, um, that when you're young or even now that's, uh, that influenced you? Yeah. So like the creator of Sailor Moon, Nako Takeuchi, like definitely her, um, and definitely others, but, uh, a couple that really stand out to me. So like once I got into high school, which in the state starts at year nine. Mm -hmm. uh, so when I was in year nine, uh, I got roped into joining my local library's youth like book club, um, which I was like, I don't know, that sounds nerdy. But they were doing a whole session just on graphic novels because they had the coolest librarians I had ever met. <laughs> who knew exactly what they were talking about. They were like, no, you're going to read this and you're going to like it. And I was like, okay. So that's where I read Mouse by Art Spiegelman. Yeah. And that made, that was just like, this is like, it just blew my mind. Mm. I just don't even know how to articulate <laughs> it. Um, and also like, that's where I first encountered the artwork of Joshua Middleton, who had illustrated one of the graphic novels that we read. Um, I don't remember the story from that one at all, but it didn't leave an impression. <laughs> but the artwork was just incredible. And I was like, oh, like there are American artists that I love the artwork of. It's not just manga. There's also like some American influences that I want to, to explore too. So. Yeah, cool. Um, so, uh, You've already mentioned you're from the US. You're settled in uh, Perth now. What's it um, like coming to Australia and discovering a whole new set of perhaps authors and creators in terms of Australian comics? Um, and how do you see the Australian comic scene? Um, it's it's tough to describe because it's it's smaller than in the states, just because the population is a lot smaller and the industries around it are a lot smaller. But that doesn't mean that it's not just as interesting and mm. vibrant and like passionate which i've really loved like when i decided to move to perth people were like wait you're they're like oh you're moving to australia cool and then i'd be like yeah perth they'd be like why <laughs> and but when i moved here i was like amazed that perth of all places has like one of the most passionate and enthusiastic and welcoming comics communities i have ever encountered yeah, cool. and uh yeah like campbell white at milk tooth uh school of art and stories he kind of i had found him online when i decided to move here and i was like i need to make friends in comics <laughs> so i like tried to befriend him online he was like oh no it's cool like i'll introduce you to some people so he he like had this like meetup where like a bunch of people went and i got to kind of meet a whole bunch of people here who made comics and it was just really good. Yeah. That's cool. Um, to your first graphic novel then, or your big graphic novel, Harriet, um, it was really well received. What, what do you, what do you remember about looking back at it and, and what did it mean to you to have that produced? Um, so I started working on it back in 2012 and it wasn't, published until 2019 so it was a very like long drawn out project <laughs> um no fun intended and uh yeah it's I'll always feel very fond fondly about it because it is like my first really big like book that I can like be it like yes this is in a hard cover and I can hand it to you and you can read it yeah. but uh 
it's also a little old now, mostly like in art, just like when you work in any creative field and really I'm sure this applies to non-creative things too. Like you see yourself level up and then like for a bunch, like in the past, like however, so many years, anything that happened in that sort of bubble becomes a little bit embarrassing for a while. And like, but then when it gets a little older, you like have enough distance from it to not be embarrassed and just be like, yes, I made that. I'm proud of it. I was younger and less experienced and that's fine. And I am really looking forward to get to that point for that book. But that doesn't mean that I don't love it. Yeah. It just means that, yeah, it's a little hard to look at it and be like, oh, I could have done so much yeah. more, but I worked to the best of my ability. So, no, that's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Um, Patience and Esther is a, a beautiful Edwardian romance, and it's also a great exploration of women's lives during that time. And of course, an exploration of same sex love. What was it like making this one? Um, so that one, I really just wanted to make a book. Well, I didn't intend to make it that long. It ended up being like 250 pages or something, plus extra stuff in the print edition. Um, but originally it just started like, so there's this website, Filthy Figments, which is an erotic comic subscription website. And they had hired me to do a short one and they're like, okay, we liked what you did pitch us another idea. And at the time I had been watching Downton Abbey, (laughs) which I have a very complicated relationship with because it's like right in the sweet spot of like, you know how sometimes with like television or like movies, like and really anything, there's like comfort genres Mm -hmm. where like no matter what the quality is or no matter how much you actually like the stories or characters, like it's just easy to consume, like junk food kind of. Yeah. That's me and Downton Abbey, but I actually really hate most of the story and characters. Uh, so I feel like I learned a lot from it and what I wanted to become as a storyteller, you know? Like, yeah. like I'd see things like how the only real developed gay character was treated, and I was just like, this does not feel right. <laughs> I am disappointed. What do I do with all of this energy? Yeah. So I was like, I'm going to do something better. And then <laughs> I did. Yeah. I'm sure most people would not agree with me, but I believe in myself and it won an award. So yeah, that's cool. Yeah. It's Obviously fine. it's better. Yeah. Um, so the, some of the sex scenes are quite uh, explicit, but also uh, a tender. Um, has it been um, a, a challenge in any library, particularly thinking of some of the things that are going on in the US at the moment? Uh, yeah, there actually has been, there have been a couple problems with it. Um, there was a library in Michigan that, where some patrons tried to ban it. Mm. Um, so there was a whole thing about it, but the librarians at that library saved it and they were just like, we are not going down this road and I love librarians. (laughs) Thank you, librarians. And there was another instance where it was shelved incorrectly because unfortunately a lot of people including librarians which like they can't know everything about every genre of books and because graphic novels i think are still like they're getting a lot bigger but a lot of people still just don't know Mm -hmm. much about them um it was shelved with children's Mm -hmm. comics on a low shelf which was a poor choice (laughs) and a sad accident and people got upset but it's still in that library they just put it somewhere (laughs) else (laughs) 
that's good. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Still there. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the greatest thing now, um, your most recently uh, published book is a, is a fictionalized YA memoir. Um, what prompted you to move to the memoir territory? Um, I'd been thinking about that kind of chapter of my life for a while. And it was something that I think I was, I was always going to end up working it into some sort of story. Um, and I'd done short pieces of memoir, like for websites like the nib, um, and also a bunch of print anthologies. And, um, and also I had started talking to first second who was there still are just like, I really love working with them. And mm -hmm. I had always dreamed of working with them. They just, I love the way that they treat their books and they were interested in hearing what stories I'd want to tell. And so I was like, all right, here are the stories that are contained within my brain at this moment. Yeah. And I think they were excited to see it a lot because like, just that sort of thing, like, especially like Raina Telgemeier and Smile and like, there's a really big popularity right now for like contemporary, like memoir, like teen drama stuff. So yeah. okay. it was serendipity that the thing that I wanted to do is what they wanted to see anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. cool. Oh, perfect. Um, how did you balance that, 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 that relationship between memoir and, and, and fiction, uh, you know, I guess a simple way of saying that is, is how much of you is, is actually in that. Um, so the main character is me, like, but as I was working on it, I couldn't help but feel like I was learning how truly flawed memory can be. And I felt like I remembered a lot. But even as I was working on the book, I ended up realizing some things about what happened back then that I didn't realize in the moment. Mm which ended up changing the story. But because of that, I was like, okay, this doesn't really feel like a memoir because I'm really, I also just really wanted it to be, how to describe it, just the way that things happened, like the realizations that I got from it and the sort of resolutions that I felt from it happened like over the next few years of my life, not within that year of high school, not within year 10. So like, it was just getting to a point where I was changing quite a few things and some memoirists don't mind doing a bit of that and still calling it nonfiction. But I was like, you know what? And also like I wanted to protect the identities of my friends and loved ones who I kind of shared personal information about. <laughs> and so I really changed their characters a lot for yeah. many of them. Um, like, they're, they ended up pretty much being fictional characters with pieces of a few people in them. Yeah. And that felt just like too far from reality to yeah. call memoir fully. Yeah. No, that's nice. That's, that, uh, yeah, that's really cool. Um, uh, obviously, graphic novels uh, take a lot of work. Um, and you've got two more coming out really soon, a, a collaboration with Sarah Vaughan, uh, Ruined, um, and, and your own work, the, the Sweetness Between Us. What can you tell them about uh, both of them? What should we expect from them? Um, so they're very different books. Uh, Ruined is coming out in next year, uh, around this time next year. Um, so that's November 2023. 2023 is next year, right? Time has no meaning. Yeah. 
2023. Um, so that is uh, with First Second. And it is uh, a Regency romance. And it's also a bit steamy. So people who liked Patience and Esther will like this one. Um, and that's with, I've collaborated with a writer and also an inker. So okay. like the art is, it still looks like a lot like my art, but Nikki is like really nice, like really thin lines that she uses that okay. are very different from what I do. And I think people will find that pretty and interesting. And Sarah's writing is wonderful on that. Um, yeah, I hope people like that. And then A Sweetness Between Us is a young adult graphic novel also coming out from First Second, but that one I'm not done yet. So we're hoping it'll come out in around this time again in 2024. Yeah. Okay. Um, so that one is about uh, there's a boy. He's a 16-year-old boy. He's been out of school for a while. He comes back. And uh, the reason he was out is because he was diagnosed with diabetes um, and he needed time to get a hang of all of that. And then when he comes back to school, he finds out that one of his classmates has also been out sick because she was turned into a vampire and she can taste his blood sugar levels. So they end up in sort of a like they end up having a kind of intense relationship because yeah. they can kind of help each other in unexpected ways. But then at, eventually they have to like kind of take a step back and be like, Hmm, is this what we really want <laughs> out, of our, out of romance? Yeah. I don't know about that. So it's, yeah, I'm, I never thought that I'd like make a vampire book, but I thought of this and I was like, I have to do it. There's no way I'm not doing that. Wow. That sounds really cool. Um, yeah. Looking forward to both of them then. Uh, as you say, very, very different. Uh, our final last question. Um, if you could mention your three favorite graphic novels or um, three favorite graphic novels you read recently mm -hmm. um, that you'd like to recommend to anyone listening. Sure. Um, so I have a really hard time picking favorites. They change all the time. So I'm just going to talk about what I've been reading. Yeah, cool. Um, so one thing I've been reading is called I Think Our Son is Gay. It's a manga about... Um, it's from the perspective of the mom of a high school boy, and uh, she's pretty sure he's gay, and she's just trying to be kind of quietly supportive and happy for him as he kind of, like, gets more comfortable with himself, and yeah, yeah. it's really, really wonderful, and just the warmest, fuzziest read. I love it. Um, I also recently invested in the uh, collected edition of Paradise Kiss, Um which is a classic manga from the 90s about people working in the fashion world. Mm. Um, and it's been really fun to dig back into that because it was very influential for me, like stylistically when I was a teenager even. Yeah. Um, and another one I've been reading is Other Ever Afters by Melanie Gilman, who is a friend of mine and their book just recently came out. Um, and it's... Um, it's a bunch of fairy tale comics that they actually made. Like, have you ever heard of 24 hour comic day? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like Melanie takes 24 hour comic day, like to incredible lengths. Like they started doing them ages ago and then they kind of, the story started getting more ambitious and longer and 24 hour comic day became like 48 hour <laughs> comic, comic weekend. Um, but essentially like, 
they started making all these little like fairy tales that they were original stories, not retellings. Yeah. And then it was like, why don't we put this into a book and throw in some new ones? And they're just so good. And I oh. love them. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Well, um, Greg, thanks for your recommendations. And, um, you know, thank you for coming in and uh, spending your time with us. And thank you for everyone uh, listening. Uh, and, and please give us feedback at um, info at gmail.com. Uh, uh, and, yeah, thank you once again, Sarah. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for listening to Aliographic Podcast. Hit the subscribe button on our YouTube page and subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow us on Twitter at Aliographic, email us at aliographicinfo at gmail.com and check our blog, aliographic.blogspot.com for updates, monthly roundups of news and new release titles.